We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast, our Tuesday edition this week. Uh, my name is Bill Troche, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, Lead College Football Writer at SportingNews.com. We're going to have three shows this week, a Tuesday show, a Wednesday show, and a Thursday show. Today, we're going to look back on a pretty chaotic weekend uh, in college football, and then uh Wednesday morning, we will be dissecting the uh, the CFP rankings that are coming out Tuesday night. So we will have our thoughts on that early Wednesday morning. You can hear us break us break it down uh, after the show uh, on Wednesday morning, and then Thursday, of course, we will look ahead to Week Ten, talk Georgia, Tennessee, and some other big games. So big week for us. But uh, before we look back to a week that had a lot of news. On and off the field, uh, Bill, especially off the field, unfortunately. Take me inside Pickerington Halloween night. <laughs> you got oh. you got two kids in their Halloween prime, okay? Do we have any stomach aches this morning? How did it all go inside uh, the Pickerington Halloween Eve? No, the kids had a great time. Uh, Grant was Peter LaFleur, which, you know, you can judge me or not on. He's seen the edited version of Dodgeball, at least. Um and then uh, Bella was Carmen Sandiego, which I'm disappointed at the people that didn't get the reference because I told her you needed to wear a yellow handkerchief. But uh, we made the way around with some neighbors and the kids were sorting out their candy. They're very organized with that. So like all the chocolate goes in the fridge, all the you know Skittles and that kind of stuff. But they know how much I'm going to eat. That's the bad part, Bill, is when we're <laughs> in with a rank like night day like today, a week like this week i don't know how much of that candy is going to me and we're going to find out the, the parent tax has gone up yeah it's definitely on a college football <laughs> first playoff rankings week it's it's definitely gone up we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, we'll touch just briefly on the the on the field Saturday. You know, the Ohio State's, uh, as you said, they they touched the turbo button in the fourth quarter against Penn State. And uh, after, you know, mucking around a little bit for three quarters, boy, did they show who was boss in that fourth quarter against Penn State. Four touchdowns and uh, really looked impressive. Kansas State, an unbelievable route of Oklahoma State, 48 to nothing. Really, nobody saw that coming. I don't see why you would, especially with a backup quarterback. And then Georgia took care of business, really, against Florida, uh, built a big lead, let them back in the game a little bit, and then uh, took care of business in the fourth quarter, put them away, set up a big showdown against Tennessee. But unfortunately, the biggest story that's kind of overshadowing the sport right now is the the Michigan Michigan State fight in the tunnel after Michigan's 29 to 7 win on Saturday night. Um quickly what not quickly what 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 are your thoughts uh, what were your initial thoughts when you heard about that news trickling in you're familiar with the rivalry very familiar you've covered the Big 10 for a long time and uh and I know you reached out to to Marcus Ray a former member of the 1997 Michigan National Championship team to get his thoughts I'll kind of give you the floor and let us know what what your thoughts are and and what Marcus had to say. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to start with talking to Marcus, who lives here in Pickerington. He coaches a seventh grade. He helped coach a seventh grade football team at Lakeview that was undefeated this year. His son, Marquise, is an up-and-coming star. Um, Marcus is somebody whose opinion I value because, one, I've coached against him and I know how much he knows about football, (laughs) and two – he comes from that same era that I did. We're, we're about the same age. So we talked last night a little bit. And I think some of the highlights of that conversation were Marcus said when he played, this was the first thing that struck me. They were friends with guys on the Michigan State team. You know, they had friends on the team. And it was very, he said they, they walked out on the, the tunnel at the same time. It was never a fight. It was always about the game. You shook hands afterward. And that was that. And I think all that changed. Like People want to say this all happened Saturday night and I'm so stunned about this. I'm not. This has been going on for 15 years and I know exactly when it started. It started when Mike Hart and Mark D'Antonio had a back and forth in 2007, the whole little brother thing. And then Mark D'Antonio clapped back and said, does he have a little brother? And it has just taken off from there. One, because Michigan State started winning. Two, um, Ugly incidents has happened before. I mean, in 2011, William Golston punched Taylor Lawan. And then we, we had the same quotes we're getting this week. Oh, that's not in, there's more to the story. Uh, 2014, a Michigan player 
put a stake on the field. 2018, Devin Bush scuffed the logo. And I think the little brother analogy is fitting right now because they're both acting like little kids, both teams. And when you have two little kids arguing about who did what wrong and this person did this wrong, then you send them both to their room. And that's what Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren should do. Um, I'm not saying – well, we'll start with this, Bill. What the Michigan State players did was reprehensible, right? You know, pulling a kid into a locker room, pushing him. Swinging a helmet at somebody that doesn't have a helmet on, that that player should not play the rest of the year. If you think anything else other than that, you're wrong, in my opinion. That player should be gone for the year. Um, But Michigan – the players waving the players goodbye. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen when you wave goodbye on the field and you have to be separated? What do you think is going to happen when a Michigan player goes up the tunnel while the Michigan State players are going into their locker room? So I think I'll put it this way, and I'll get your thoughts on it. I think blaming the tunnel is ridiculous. It's an inanimate object. You can't blame an inanimate object for human behavior. I'm sorry. And, and that tunnel's been there forever. There have been skirmishes i mean ohio state players came out of that tunnel one year and ripped down ripped down a banner but they didn't throw punches at michigan players and um i think the michigan security has to work on to ensure that one team gets out and one team gets in before the if then keep the tunnel there that's fine but um the blaming back and forth is really childish at this point and marcus you know he brought up a good point when we were talking last night he said this rivalry has gone from one of the best in-state rivalries too. It's become one side just trying to humiliate, humiliate the other. Not so much on the field, but off the field, on social media, in the press conferences, all those things, that the jabs that happen. And I really think Saturday night um, escalated the second that Michigan ran a reverse pass with two minutes left, up 22 points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it goes from rivalry stuff to... Well, amateur behavior, in my opinion. And that's what this rivalry has become. It's gone from a great in-state classic Big Ten rivalry to amateur hour on and off the field. Yeah, it's interesting. uh, Quarterback J.J. McCarthy before the game, he's kind of an understated guy, not really, you know, prone to making outlandish statements. You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But he, you know, said before the game, we don't just want to beat him. We want to run up the score. We want to keep our foot on the gas. We really want to blow him out. And then – you know, after the game, Blake Corum, like another guy right. who uh, I don't think makes headlines unnecessarily, sits down and says, "I thought Tuck was coming," and mocking the uh, the, the the Michigan State log- uh, slogan and rallying cry and things like that. And so, yeah, so I watched. Uh, I don't know if you saw the video. Yeah, I'm sure you did of the the Michigan State Michigan players are waving goodbye, and that started a little back and forth and things like that. I saw the two Michigan players go up the tunnel in sort of the sea of Michigan state players. And I thought the first player who I believe was, was green G Mon green, who, who he just kind of walked up like he was just leaving the field. I don't think he was being obnoxious mm-hmm. about it. He just was clueless and was like, just, all right, I'm walking the tunnel. And he was suddenly surrounded by Michigan state people. But I, I got the feeling that he was just kind of clueless about what was going on. But I did think that uh, when Jaden McBorrows went through the – he saw the whole Michigan State team in front of him. 
and he skipped along the side and high-fived some Michigan fans on the way through. He kind of intentionally got in the middle of the, the sea of the players. I don't think the first player did. I thought the second player did. Doesn't excuse anything. But unfortunately for them, it did not end well for either one of them. Um, I saw an interview with Jake Butt speaking about the tunnel. Uh, and he was talking about when he was a player and the visiting locker room is right across from the, the home locker room. And when they would come out before a big game, he said there was chirping, there was yelling. He goes, and it was fun. Yeah. He said there, there, there was a line. Everyone understood the line, but it was kind of fun to be a part of. And it was fun to be, that was part of like a, a big Michigan home game. And you know, so he's like, it's not the tunnel, it's the people, right? right. Just Correct. like you're saying. He said that that was part of it. And I'm curious, I don't know if, if Marcus touched on that as well, but I'm sure there's been chirping in the tunnel right, for years. Just, you know, now it's, it's, it's unfortunately getting yeah. to be a little more than that. Yeah. And Marcus said like the, like the coming out of the tunnel at the same time, he said, of course. And, and this is something that Michigan fans know and, it's kind of a weird triangle. Like the Michigan, Michigan state game means more to some Michigan fans than the Ohio state game does because it's in state. It's the backyard. It's and Nick Baumgartner in the athletic wrote a very good piece last week where he said, and I, I always value Nick's opinion on this. He's a Michigan native said when he was growing up, when he was on the playground at school, there weren't Ohio state fans on the playground in Michigan. It was Michigan, Michigan state guys. And then but the Ohio State rivalry is more national. And the point I made about that is Ohio State-Michigan has its rivalry moments and the, the petty things that go on with the rivalry. And it goes all the way back to Woody Hayes and the I couldn't go for three moment. You know, I don't know if you, you know that story probably where they were up 48 to 14 and they went for two. If that happened in 2022, there would probably be much worse than what we saw Saturday night. It would happen on the field. So, but I, I think with Ohio State and Michigan, they have shoving and chirping like Jake mentioned. And, but at the end of the day, something like this would never happen in that game. I'm pretty safe in saying that. I don't think Ohio State players would get in a fight in the tunnel with Michigan players. And um, again, it takes away from the game. And, and for anybody on both sides of this, the Michigan fans or the Michigan State fans, I think who needs to step up right now is Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker. And if that just, means, yeah, they're the was, guys that need to step up. I was just about to ask you about that and what, the, how they've handled the press conferences yesterday. Harbaugh was, I, I don't want to say unnecessarily stirring the pot, but he's, he's calling it egregious. Right. He's calling it assault. He said, everybody saw what happened. He said, a sorry, you know, sorry, isn't going to cut it. Right. And it's an open right. and shut case and not, not backing down. Or, right. or cooling the waters, calming the waters in any way. Whereas Tucker is, you know, his response has been criticized because he's just sort of, he's saying, well, it's an investigation and we can't talk about it. But, you know, obviously you can talk about it. Right. Uh, no charges have been filed. He, he, Michigan State has egg on their face, obviously. They don't have really a leg to stand on. And if they did, right. they probably would. And so I guess Tucker's doing what he can. But... I was curious your thoughts on their two press conferences yesterday. I would make them do a joint press conference. That's what I would do. I mean, and and say they they need to they're the two that need to sort this out. And the problem, I think I think a couple problems here. One, Mel Tucker 
Very good coach. He, by the way, another part of this story, he had a fan touch him before the game. I noticed that before the game. I saw him slap a fan's hand away. If you're a fan, keep your hands to yourself. You know, don't touch players. Don't, don't, don't touch coaches. Don't, that, that goes back to our field storming conversation too. Don't do it. You know, keep your hands to yourself. I mean, whoever that fan was shouldn't be allowed in the game again. I'm sorry. And I think Mel Tucker could deliver a stronger apology because it, it, right now his program looks really bad, really like a sore loser. Like regardless of what the Michigan player said to antagonize that you can't, like I said, can't swing your helmet. You can't pull a kid in the locker room, six on one. All of those players deserve to be suspended. Jim Harbaugh. I think part of the issue here is he's a pretty damn good coach when he's combative and he's almost better when he's like that. And you could, you could sense that in the Ohio state game last year. And I don't think he's somebody that's going to offer an apology, but there needs to be something here. Whereas like if I was Kevin Warren, I would have both on the phone, press conference, whatever zoom call and, and kind of lay it down, say, this isn't happening again. You know, like a, I don't know if I mentioned this already. Do you want your rivalry to be like South Carolina and Clemson? What do we remember when we talk about South Carolina and Clemson? The 2004 brawl, one of the ugliest moments in college football history. Do you want this rivalry to, to get to that point? And that's why I said, if this happens again, if you guys can't play this game and do stuff and not have amateur press conferences out afterward, when UCLA and USC come into the league and we switch divisions, I'm taking this game off the schedule. And and the fans will both complain and I'll look bad because they'll be like, Kevin Warren's horrible and he can't handle it. But it's your fault. It's the kid's fault. It's not the adult's fault. So start acting like adults or we're taking this kitty game off the schedule. That's what I would do. That would be quite the statement. No doubt about it. And you know what's funny is I I was thinking about that South Carolina Clemson fight was, I don't know if you realize this, it was the morning after the malice at the palace. Oh my, yeah, I forgot about that. Which actually did take place in Michigan as well, obviously. Um, And I was thinking about crazy things that had spilled over and and landmark watershed moments. And this is one of them. And then another one, of course, also was in Michigan. And I felt at the time the Clemson-South Carolina fight was partly because of that people were amped up from that malice at the palace the night before. And it was just so jarring to see athletes and and fighting and fans and things like that. And uh, when emotions got ratcheted up at that Clemson, South Carolina game, they got out of control. And I don't know. I just felt like those two events were linked. Well, and like I said, this is 15 years in the making with, with all these kind of childish. And and I'm not saying like rivalries are supposed to be fun. There's supposed to be some things in there that, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State's another one that comes to mind. I, I like petty things within a rivalry as long as it doesn't resort to what we saw Saturday night in the tunnel. And, and, and you know, you can do – and that's like, you know, I think part of this Michigan-Michigan State rivalry, like one side paints the M green and then the other will paint a statue maize and blue, but they fix the stat. It's – that's fine. But it's fun, exactly. Yeah, that's supposed to be fun, but when you – I think just both sides got to check themselves a little bit and, and wonder, can we play? And, and again, Marcus said that over and over again. That's what stood out to me is a lot of these college kids, they're recruited by the same schools. Like Marcus played – Marcus Ray is a Columbus kid that played at Michigan. 
So, and he, he's handled that. And he, so he had friends on Ohio state and he's hand, had friends on Michigan state. I coached with a, another guy here in Pickerington who played at Michigan and it's the same thing. They still have friends as you get older. And, and if you can't play a football game for 60 minutes, shake the other person's hand and leave the field without starting a fight, then maybe you shouldn't be playing. And I think something that'll move this thing forward a little bit when you talk about an apology, I'm still waiting for Mel Tucker to say the Michigan players' names that were assaulted. He has not said their names and said, we are sorry this happened to McBurrows, Green, and it will not happen again. Like he, he can dodge and he can weave and things like that, but please say their names. Right. I, I really feel like that would be a step forward as we try to put this right. thing behind us, but it's, it's not behind us. And it's, oh, it's and the yeah. fans, Bill, the last thing I'll say is the fans, I, I it drives me crazy on, on, well, social media drives everybody crazy. Right. But <laughs> the Michigan fans are, are, they have the high ground pretty much right in this situation, but it doesn't mean, well, what about you? Like that, like we did this wrong. What about you? Just say, this is what we did wrong. Michigan state fans. This is what we did wrong. And, and like I said, if you can't do it, take it away. And, and, you know, from the Ohio state vantage point, they're probably high state fans are probably sitting there. Like <laughs> you're, you, you guys are talking about who the little brother is. We're, we're the, we're the oldest brother. We're the one from college that comes back and being like, this is stupid. What you two are doing, you know, come because nobody's pulling that against them, you know? And even last year at the Ohio state Michigan game, Harbaugh did throw the little jab at Ryan day. And people were like, we want to run it up so bad. I go back to 2018 urban Meyer's last game against Michigan. They destroyed them by the way. Remember they just hammered Michigan at the, at the high stadium. He, he could have probably scored a hundred points that day. They, they put their foot off the gas. Even in that rivalry, they took their foot off the gas. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a I, – I think who it, it really falls on now. The, we can blame whoever for Saturday night. Who it falls on now and how this goes forward, that falls on Jim Harbaugh and Mel Tucker. Yep, good point. Good point. We'll see where it goes from here. Both are not backing down at this point. Let's move on. To the second story, which normally would be the first story, an SEC coach was fired this week. Uh, Brian Harson, his 1.5-year tenure at Auburn has come to a close. They hired a new athletic director from Mississippi State, and then the same day they announced that Brian Harson was done at 3-5. and five. Auburn's on a four-game losing streak. Uh, the, the Harson era was... Uh, in trouble as soon as basically uh, his athletic director resigned in August. He didn't have any support. Um, and, you know, it was just he, he had a great record coming out of Boise State. And then it, it felt like uh, he wasn't the booster's first choice. And one other thing that uh, Andy Staples reported on, on his podcast, he's pretty inside the SEC. And he had some credible people telling him, Brian Harson underestimated either the value or the difficulty of recruiting in the SEC. He was not as aggressive as he needed to be right off the bat. Uh, I, I think it was just more than he expected. Everyone knows you got to recruit. That's I'm not saying he didn't understand that, but Staples seemed to think this was not 
going in the right direction, independent of the booster interference and things like that. Um, but anyway, he's gone. Thoughts on Harson and thoughts on who's next. Well, can I ask you a question first? How much, what percent of the job in the SEC is recruiting? 75? Mm-hmm. I was just about to say 75. 75? <laughs> because you can have a top 10 class in the SEC and or a top 10 class in the country and be seventh in the SEC or sixth or fifth. It's entirely possible. So, I, you know, we do all these coach candidate lists at Sporting News when a coach gets fired. It's an exercise that a lot of publications do. We do it as well. Um, I've been doing them for years. I remember when Auburn got rid of Gus Malzahn, Brian Harzen wasn't on our list. He was like, when that hire was made, I was like, what? Because fit has to matter. We always talk about fit mattering. Brian Harzen didn't fit from day one because of the boosters, because of the recruiting, because of the, you know, the record on the field, you know, nine and 12. And I, I really believe because of the off season coup last year, I really believe they didn't want him from day one. Mm. And now you set your program back two years he may, I bet you he ends up in the Mountain West or somewhere else and, and does fine. But that is a tough job because it kind of goes back to the Michigan State, Michigan thing real quickly. Mel Tucker has a tough job because Michigan's the, the national brand that everybody knows. Brian Harzen had a tough job. You're going up against the elephant. And the elephant has won a bunch of national titles. That's one of the toughest jobs in the country right now. And I thought Gus Malzahn did a pretty good job with it. So, um, don't feel too bad for Brian Harson. He's got $15 million to make him feel a little better. <laughs> I think Jim Weber tweeted last night, the last Auburn's paid $45 million in buyouts to Chiswick, Malzahn and Harson. So maybe fine. And that's why speculation about who will take this job is about as wide open as it comes because it's Auburn. We, we, we don't know what the heck they're thinking or what they're going to do, but they need to find, like you said at the top bill, somebody that can recruit. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, so let's like play a little game here. You wrote the story about candidates that Auburn should pursue. I'm going to flip it around a little bit and ask you, if you are this coach, would you consider Auburn? Now, of course, Auburn's in the SEC. They've competed for national championships and they've got endless piles of money. But almost every coaching job, I mean, there's two Big Ten coaching jobs right now. They're going to pay plenty as well. You've seen what's happened to the last two coaches. They were not treated well. 
from the outset. Well, I wouldn't say from the outset as far as Malzahn, but, you know, forced out, even though he had a pretty good record, he beat Alabama a few times. And then, uh, of course, Harson was not necessarily treated well by the fan base and the boosters. So how attractive is this job? It's, it's attractive. You can compete at the highest levels and you're obviously in the SEC, but there are some drawbacks as well. If you're Deion Sanders, is is uh, and 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 Auburn calls you up and says, "Hey, do you want to be in our pool of candidates?" Uh, but before before we actually do a deep dive, do you even want to be in the pool? What does Dion say? Yes. Um, or does he wait for something different? Uh, or is he happy where he is? I think he's kind of happy where he is, but I I like him at Georgia Tech more. I like him returning to Atlanta. I but I don't even know if that's the right job for him. I still like Florida state, but I mean, if I'm Dion, I'll say I'll come in for an interview, but here I'm going to do it my way. Like I've done it at Jackson state and I'm going, I think he would be able to, as far as a, we talked about the recruiting angle. He's probably the best recruiter. He got Hunter to come to Jackson state best player in the country. So yeah, he would do well at recruiting, but they're going to have to let him do, do it his way. He would be the first African-American coach at Auburn. That's another thing in the SEC that some people, rather rather it's not right, some people might have a problem with that, you know, and that's not, and that's not right. But I think Dion would have to weigh that as part of uh, his decision-making. I think that would be a positive for him. I feel like he'd be a yeah. trailblazer kind of thing. would be awesome. Like, yeah, I think uh, that would appeal to him. Urban Meyer. Does he want to be in the pool of candidates to be dis- to, to, to be uh, considered? It would be fun. It would be fun to have Urban back in the SEC with one more college football stop. I don't think he will. I he think, would. Uh, so he would say no, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm flattered, but no, thank you. I think he'll say no. But dreaming about the Saban Urban column for the Iron Bowl next year would be fun. But I think he says no. Okay. What about? Lane Kiffin. He's on everybody's mind. He's got a good situation going in Ole Miss. He's got the Rebels rolling, really. Uh, he can do whatever he wants. He's a hero in Oxford. Would he be a hero in Auburn? The money's basically the same. Uh, he's he's going to a program that's actually behind his program right now. But the ceiling's probably higher. Uh, Lane kind of match it, marches to his own drum. They call him up. Does he say Yes. Put me in your pool of candidates. Um, I don't think he would, but I, I would say Dion, yes. Urban, no. Lane, somewhere in between. Because I think he would mull it over at least. And then does he really want to be a trader in Tennessee and a trader at <laughs> Ole Miss and a half trader at Alabama? So like every c- campus stop he's going to, talk about needing security. He would need security <laughs> to go into every stadium that he goes to. But uh, I think... Do you have more resources at Auburn than Ole Miss? Probably, but not by much. I mean, Ole Miss is pretty good right now. They've been to big-time bowls, and they've done good things with him. So I don't know that he would leave. Interesting. Interesting. Of course, Tommy Tuberville did, yeah. right? Yeah, that's uh, true. And then, yeah, I think – Same path, same path. So one more name I want to throw at you, a guy who uh, is counting his, I believe – $40 million buyout right now. Matt Rule. Does he look into Auburn says, do you want to be in our pool of candidates? Does he say yes? 
Yeah, I think he would listen because I think that's the type of job. We, we wrote about that a little bit yesterday. Does he want to sit on the giant buyout that he got from the Panthers? Maybe. One thing, though, with Auburn, like they're going to nitpick that higher than why did we fire? Why did we just hire some Panthers coach that couldn't cut it in the NFL? You know, that kind of thing. Um, but he's good at makeovers, man. He did a great job at Temple. Baylor's in a great spot as a program considering where they were when he arrived. And I think that's something you would have to take into account. One thing I did look up on him yesterday, though, didn't be, he was really struggled against ranked teams at Baylor. Granted, it's Baylor, but you play a ranked team every other week in the SEC. So I think that would get nitpicked a little bit. But, you know, you listen to his press conferences. He's a guy that I think he would definitely say, yes, I'll come in for an interview. Auburn, I worry about the other side of like the Auburn, like we don't want this guy because that's exactly what they just did with Brian Harzen. Mm-hmm. And and he can afford to be choosy, right. obviously. I think he's a football coach through and through. I think he will not be on the sidelines for long, but he can pick and choose where he wants to go in the college, in the college landscape, whether or not he would pick Auburn. I don't know. There are some red flags, obviously that people have been through coaches and athletic directors there. So he might, you're right, say, yeah, you can put me in the pool, but I'm going to be pretty choosy. And ultimately, I'm not sure he would take the dive into into the Auburn pool. Final topic, Bill, before we get going here, tonight's uh, first show for the college football playoff rankings. Top 25 will be unveiled. And it, it seems like this year, the question as to who is going to be number one is, is more up in the air than it's usually been in the past few years. You at SportingNews.com wrote a column this morning about who should be number one at the top of the list. Should it be Georgia? Should it be Ohio State? Should it be Tennessee? They all have cases. Give me the pros and cons, and then maybe your, 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 maybe your prediction, right? and then who you would do, and if those two things are different. Okay, so, like, they all have cards they could play here. Like, Georgia, we could say, hey, we're the defending national champs. We have the best statistical combination of scoring offense and scoring defense. Are we still, you know, all this attention about Ohio State and uh, Tennessee's offense? Well, we score 42. And, by the way, we hold you to less than 10. (laughs) And we haven't lost. We've won it all. And it's that whole mentality of college football. We're number one until somebody knocks us off. And – their offense can still ground you out with 200 yards a game. They do it not the same way as Ohio State and Tennessee, but if two freak tight ends, by the way, that, that average over 17 yards a catch, Brock Bowers and Washington, Daryl Washington. Um, and they're, Dur- but they're Dur- dirty little secret. I think Washington's better than Bowers. But. Oh, they're both ridiculous, aren't they? <laughs> and, and the cons would be really the, the, they're still living off that Oregon win a little bit. They haven't really beat an awesome team since the the next best team on their schedule record wise is, is Sanford an <laughs> FCS school. So they can prove it this weekend. Um, Tennessee most wins against ranked teams, best offense in the country scoring wise, maybe the best quarterback receiver combo and hooker hookers. Now the favorite in the Heisman voting, which I found interesting. He's bumped up past Stroud. Um, Two incredibly impressive beatdowns of SEC teams in Kentucky right. and LSU on top of the win over Alabama. I think those blowouts are almost equal to the Alabama win, the way that they're just disposing of teams. And 
probably the most fun offense in the country. And their defense, the cons of the defense, gives up 300 passing yards a game. Um, still have to prove it against Georgia this weekend. And the, the other con there is it's still a team that you go all the way back to that. They could have lost a pit. You know, people were going to point that out. They, they maybe should have lost the pit, but they didn't. And, and they've taken care of their business there. Ohio State, um, best collection of receivers and probably the best collection of first round talent out of all these teams. I mean, uh, the, the receivers are amazing. Marvin Harrison, if it's not Jalen Hyatt at Tennessee, it's Marvin Harrison at Ohio State. Uh, Stroud and Hooker have been great. And their defense is better. Their defense was the problem last year. Their defense is only allowing 17 points per game. Now they stopped the run. Um, cons of these three teams, their opponent's record is the worst. The Notre Dame game isn't quite as good as it was. Um, the Big Ten teams they've played aren't – I mean, Penn State, they were losing until they scored yeah, 28 they in, the in the fourth. in the fourth quarter, yeah. Right. Um, and I would want to see how that stacks up against – if Penn State got to Stroud a little bit and they haven't run the ball well the last two weeks, well, that's not going to go over well if, when they play Georgia. So if they play Georgia. So I, all three have a really good case for and against. What I ultimately think the committee will do tonight, and I, I'm, what do you think they'll do? I, I think they'll go Georgia one. I think for TV purposes, they're going to put Tennessee two and then Ohio State three. I would put them – like I have them. I, I think it'd be Georgia one, high state two, Tennessee three. I think they're going to put Tennessee one. Okay. Okay. They have the best resume. And I think that's what the committee wants to hang their hat on. They, they want to take their opinion out of it as best they can. They're going to talk blank slate, blank slate, blank slate. And Tennessee is the best resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, those three wins, Kentucky, LSU and, and Alabama are better than anyone, sure. anyone else's. Those three performances on big stages, uh, and it's defensible, yep. you know? So anyway, that's, you were talking that's about, you were talking about that Saturday night and I kept like, like a, if you were my catcher, I was like a pitcher waving you off. No, I'm, I'm putting Georgia number one. No, I'm putting Georgia. No, I, I you're right. You're shaking you're, me you're, off. Yeah. I'm like, you're right, but I'm going to put Georgia number one because I I'm still that guy that I, I, maybe it's an old school mentality, but I'm still they're They're the champ till somebody says you're not. And you're younger and they, than me, but you're younger than me, but you're an old, old soul. I'm like though. a 60 year old, 40 year old for sure. <laughs> but I'm like, they've got, well, and the, the good news is it's going to sort it itself out Saturday. You know, you get it. And we're going to talk about that in the podcast later in the week, but um, fun spot for Tennessee, fun spot for Georgia. And if you're Ohio state, Ohio state fans are going to complain if they're number three, guess what? You're going to be number two next week. As long as you, you take care of that Northwestern game. So, exactly. It's fun right. to talk about. Everybody, that's what college football is all about. We'll, we'll debate it for three or four days, and then everything's going to change on Saturday. And then that's, yep. that's the beauty of the sport. And it has it, injected a little life, a little conversation into the uh, season starting in November. And we're going to be all over it tonight. Bill, thank you. We've run over a little bit here, but uh, a lot to talk about. Join us again tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can join us tomorrow. Wednesday when we will talk about the show and the ranking show. And then, of course, on Thursday, we will preview Georgia and and Tennessee. We will preview uh, Clemson and Notre Dame. We will preview Alabama and LSU. And we will preview uh, some other games to keep an eye on this weekend. So, once again, thanks, for everybody, for joining us. And we will see you tomorrow. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.